0: We at V2V Community Church believe in the authority of the Word of God. We teach and expound from the Scriptures, which forms the foundation of our faith. We pray that this message blesses you. Bible with you can I see it? got a Bible with you great read it lately amen today I've got a word for you I want to talk to you about a spirit called worry a spirit called worry do you ever worry can I see your hand you ever worry does it ever work for you it didn't work why do we keep doing it it doesn't work but we keep doing it right do you know what worry is Hmm? Do you know what it is? It means that we believe what the devil says more than what God says. And what it is, we're, we're walking by sight and not by faith. In other words, what the enemy tells us has more power than what God tells us. Amen. So in the book of Mark, chapter 4, verse 35, how many you know that All of us has got things to go through the three of us in this room you're either just coming out you're about to go in or you just come out right you're in it you're about to go in it or you just come out of it how many have had problems or trials if you haven't got one your hands raised I'm just agreeing with you you'll get a double portion because it's not fair for us to have it and not we we want to share would you agree how many have had problems uh, trials in your life the hands not raised we agree with you a double portion for you because we cannot leave you alone all right now in your trials what does your trials do for you it causes us to draw closer to god it is very hard to preach something you've never lived And the Bible says, the trials of our faith works patience. When we go through things, don't ever think that God does not care. He said it this way, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you, even to the end of this age. So when you go through things, you'll notice many times you go through things, at that moment, it seems like God's gone silent. And you go around looking for a word, looking for a word. How many know you already got plenty of words in here? And the idea of the trials we go through is supposed to bring us closer to God. Because when we what or who do you run to in times of trouble? If we run to God, it means that we're on the right track. If you're constantly running to other people, it means your relationship with God is not strong and you have no faith in God. He's the one. Now in the book of Mark, chapter 4, verse 35, it says, And the same day when the evening was come, he said unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. When they would sent away the multitude, they took him, even as he was in the ship, and there were also with him other little ships. And there, was a, there arose a great storm, telling a neighbor, a great storm of wind. And the waves beat upon the ship so that it was now full. And Jesus was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. They woke him and said unto him, Master, do you not care that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Why are you afraid because of a storm you're going through? How many have a storm in your life now? Why are you afraid? Do you not know that God has got you? Do you not know he said in in Psalm 34, 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers us from how much? How much? All of them. Now, some trials are instigated by God, and some of us, some of it, we'd instigate. Have you ever instigated your own trial? I mean, when you're at home and you have the option to not argue, and you continue arguing, you instigate it. It's choices, right? But whatever your, God's grace is more than sufficient. Even when you do wrong, he will still help you through. But the, the thing is, why do we panic? I, I, there's a trend. I see a trend in your generation. I say yours. Mine's coming to a close. But the, your generation, there's a trend when you go through things, you step back from God and it's like, stay home. Why, why would you stay home when you're going through stuff? Don't you know the answer is in God? Not in sitting and watching TV, not in sulking at home, not feeling sorry for yourself. Have you ever had a pity party yeah. and invited as many as you could? <laughs> and you were still alone. Yeah. And and we go through stuff and the the first reaction from many... It's to step back from God and try and solve it ourselves. Now, I'm gonna go through some scriptures with you today. I really pray today it's gonna to help you and it's gonna change your mindset. How I many a paradigm shift is always good? It was, it makes you see things in a different light. If I have a revelation that no matter what I go through, I'm coming out okay. How I many I can stand in? If I know it, it, it's like if I said to you, um, any of you in here today, you got a part, how, how many believe in for finances? Wow, okay. How many need both feet to, to count? Okay. How many bo- need both feet and both arms and your neck to wave at the same time? Okay. If I said to you today, I'm going to give you a thousand pounds every week. Every week. For one year, I'm going to give you a thousand pounds. I did this for a girl. There's a girl who had um, an accident and had to cut all around her waist And I supported her for two years. I gave her 500 pound a week for two years. After two years, it's not that I had extra money. It's it's my seed. And some of you think, oh, I ain't got that money. There's a lot of things I could do with 500 pound apart from give it to somebody. And after two years, I said to her, I can't do it anymore. She got offended and left church. That's the heart of this generation. If I said to you today, you're in debt today... I'm gonna give you a thousand pounds every week. Just come and see me every Sunday. How many of your cares will leave? Would you still be worrying about the bill? Why? You you think my word is good. But I'm a human being. There's no word as good as God's word. Would you agree? If God said it that I shall supply some of your needs, how much? I guarantee you everything you need, you have now. There's not one of us in this building that has need right now. You have wants, you have desires, but all our needs are met. How many have clothes this morning? How many got toothpaste to brush your teeth this morning? How many had water to wash? Please, should have more more yes than that. How many had water to wash with? Say, thank you, Jesus. All our needs... You have food? How many had breakfast already? You have something to eat this morning? You're going to have something to eat today? Where's it coming from? You'll find it, right? And we've got to get to this place where our faith in man is not as great as our faith in God. Because if I said it, you'll stop worrying, but God's already said it to you. You get it? God, the promises of God are yea and amen. It's already in here. All we've got to do is take this word, act on this word, believe this word, do this word, and we'll see the manifestation. Where we struggle is God's timing. With, we, we're so used to the microwave. We're the microwave generation. We want it instantly. And when it doesn't come instantly, we start trying to formulate it and make it happen. How many of you know there are women in here waiting for a husband? The women all over the world waiting for a husband. Where are the men? Where are the men? But you know what? You can try all you like, but you cannot formulate it. Because when you do it, remember when God promised them, uh, Sarah and, and Abraham a son, and they now decided, well, God said, we're going to have a child, let's help him. And when they helped him with the maid, out came Ishmael. And Ishmael began to mock Sarah, Ishmael's mother began to mock Sarah, and now it created a problem in their life to the point she drove her away. And sometimes we think, I can make this happen. I found out something. If God doesn't give it to you, you don't want it. If it's not from God, because you know why it's from God? When it's from God, he says, the blessing of the Lord makes rich and adds no sorrow. When God gives you a wife, it should be making you rich, and not necessarily, bro, you don't stop working, makes you rich and adds no sorrow to you. When you get a husband, ladies, your life should not go downhill. It should be on the rise. You, when you meet the right man, your everything about you changes for the better. You, you look better because he's treat, you now have someone to take care of you. You're happier because now he's, you've got someone with a life goal, skill, life goals to, to make you the happiest person on earth. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Okay. Let me move on. Flip with me the book of Matthew chapter 6. Let's go from verse 24. I'm going to give some keys today that's going to help you, right? Verse 24 of Matthew chapter 6 says, No man can serve two masters. How many masters do you have? Huh? How, how many? Who's got one master? Can you see your hand? How many got more than one? Not one hand going up. Really? So, how many hours a day do you have? How many days a week? How many months a year? How many days a year? 365. Divide that down, break it down. How much does your master get to the other things you give your time to? You still here? Break it down and we divide it down and we we go 24 hours in a day. How much does the master get of that if we're putting him first? If he is our master? Because it's easy to say he's our master. But what we do, sometimes our actions will speak louder than words. Because is he really our master? If he's our master, we should be about his business more than our business. But many of you, you're so occupied, Jesus doesn't have time to speak to you. Not that he doesn't want to, but you're so occupied, he doesn't have your ear. Are you here? It says, no man can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one, love the other, or else he'll hold to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Which are you putting first in your life? God or money? H- Hello? Is it my microphone? Can you hear me? Dennis, the sound is gone. Which do you serve, God or money? He said you cannot serve both. Really. Therefore, I sound to you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat. How I know mean, Have you ever been to the place where you eat just for, for survival? Have you ever been to that place? Not for pleasure, but for survival. Says, if you, you take no thought for your life what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, nor what you shall put on, is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment. So it doesn't matter what you wore to church today as long as it's decent. I've seen women that won't come to church unless they have a new outfit every week. You're insane, you lost your mind. Are you here? Says, behold, the fowls of the air they sow not. Neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more better than them? Which of you by taking thought, when he says thought, we're talking about worry. Which of you by worrying can add one cubit unto your height? Has it ever changed your appearance by worrying? Yes, it has. Has it ever changed your appearance? Has worrying ever changed your appearance? Yes, it has. You get gray hair. You get, you get wrinkles. You look like you've been sucking lemons. Your joy has gone. Your peace has gone. There's nothing in you that reflects Christ when you're worrying. So we make a decision, and today we're going to deal with it, right? So he says, why do you worry about clothes, Why? Why do, why? That's a question. Why do women worry about clothes? Why do you have to have something new all the time? Why why do you worry about clothes? Ladies, why do you worry about your hair? What God has given you is more than enough. Why do you worry about shoes? Why do you have to always, you know, I watch this in the shop sometimes. I watch women. I like to watch people, and you watch them, it has to be perfect when they buy it. You notice know, like that <laughs> like the heels gonna collapse. And they walk around. When they wear it one time, they're telling fling it down. <laughs> For why? Why why do we why do we it's funny when we're buying it, it has to be perfect. You can go to the charity shop and buy something to wear. That's a good way to kill pride, right? He says this, Why do you take thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. Yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe ye, O you of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink? Or wherewith shall we be clothed? For all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. Isn't that amazing? God knows what we need. And here it is. Here's the answer to stop your worrying and come out of that zone. In this verse, it tells you what to do. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness... And then all these things will be added to you. If we will stop pursuing the things of the world and begin to pursue God, how many of the things we're worrying about is not really necessary. Because of our lust for things, we overcommit ourselves to things. Revolving credit. You, have, you, you, you go to super, the, the department stores, and they say um, you get a 50-pound credit if you take a credit card today. When you read the, the terms and the condition, some of them are 1,395% interest. That means you'll be revolving around that credit for the rest of your life. And we, we commit to things because we're not content with what we have. When we become content with what we have, we look at life differently. We, there's some of you in here, you don't need to buy another dress from now till this time next year. Women and men. You know, Ashley came to me and says, Granddad, could you, um, could you buy a, a game with your card for me? I said, no way. He said, granddad, please, here's the money. I said, listen to me. I've had to change my credit, my debit card so many times. Every time I do that for you, they hack my account. Because wherever you're buying these from, it's a load of crooks you're buying it from. And he's saying, granddad, he has got so much games. How many of games on your phone? I've got one game on my phone. Uh, one game, it, it's taken me three months to get to one level. And it's, it's more, need, why do I need more? It's just moving little things around and you line them up and it's, and they go- and they go and it took me three months, and I think I did it by accident. I was actually shot the one before that took me five months to get one level, but it's not a committed thing. I just do it when I've got nothing to do and i'm not I'm not bothered whether I achieve the level or not. It's just time killing when I'm sitting in a dentist or or talking to someone I don't want to hear. you just play the phone, right? So here's the key. Number one, we must learn to seek God's kingdom first. How do I seek God's kingdom? Well, you have it in the scriptures, right? When we put God first, and and let me say this, there's a lot of Christians today. There's a generation today. The Bible talks about your generation. It says there's a way This there's there's a generation. It says that you think you know the way, but you don't know the way. I see a lot of people now want to start ministry. Let me tell you, anybody wants to start ministry, God has never called you. I've never ever in 30 odd years of ministry, 30 odd years, I've never found one person who wants it that God gave it to them. Everybody, everybody going back to, uh, to um, Gideon, to Moses, going all the way back. Everybody I've ever met that God has called run from God. They run from the call. Because somehow they know. And I see all these people blogging and all this nonsense. You need to blog yourself out of blogging. Because what you're doing, you listen, you know when you teach this? Even in your ignorance, you teach this because someone will listen to you. When you teach this in your ignorance, in your ignorance, ignorance does not exempt you from judgment. And when you start taking this and you think you know this, listen to me. The day will come when God will hold you to judgment at the judgment seat of Christ for every life you've tampered with. Because it says that God has set in the church, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher, to perfect the saints, nobody else. You're not qualified. This is a skill that you learn through trials and experiences. You do not pick up a Bible and start teaching people when you've never lived it. It's called hypocrisy. Are you here? When we seek first the kingdom of God, I I gave you the example last week. You wash people's feet. You know, with the servant, the servant doesn't care what they do. All I want to do is serve in the kingdom. So he said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than than to, to have a mansion outside. Because when my heart is to serve... I don't care whether I sit at the back, I don't care whether I vacuum the floor, all I know is I want to please my king. And whether I ever get, I don't want credit for it. I don't want recognition for it because my recognition, my credit, my, my rewards come from my king that I serve. We're down here trying to build names for ourselves, we want to be famous, we want to be liked, we want to be recognized, and you're missing the whole ethos of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you want to be great in the kingdom, you know, you see me up here, and, and you know, some of you don't understand it. We've been serving other preachers for years. I served one man for 12 and a half years. Never preached one time, 12 and a half years. When he traveled, I'd cleaned his car, I put petrol in his car. I'd drive to Gatwick, leave his car, give him his car, I'd take a train back home. I'd put food in his house, I'd take care of him, I'd pick his kids up, whatever he needed. I'd drive him to to Sheffield, wherever he speaks, I'd go everywhere. Not one time did it cross my mind to pick up the Bible and begin to share with other people. Because to me, serving is the greatest thing I could ever do. If you're seeking the kingdom of God, there must be some humility coming to your life. Humility does not promote itself. Anybody promote themselves, you're not from God. You are flesh, flesh, flesh. And you will, you're going to find out that God is not pleased with that. Whatever you're worrying about, 1 Peter 5 verse 7 says, we should cast all our cares on him. How many have cares? Hmm? You have cares? We're supposed to take our care. This is my care. I cast it on him. Who has it now? Huh? So if he has it, why am I still thinking about it? Why am I still worrying about it? This is why you need some faith in, in this walk. Because Hebrews eleven six says, He that cometh to God must believe that God is, and is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And he says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. It, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So if I've given him my care and we all have cares, the difference is some of us carry it and some of us don't. If you get to know God, you know he loves you unconditionally and when you put his kingdom first, God will take care of your business. I found out when I take care of God's business, God will take care of mine. When I give to God, if I give generously to God, whatever I, he now, I now have access to him you cannot outgive God. You cannot outlove God. You cannot outserve God. He will do things and He will blow you away with His love, His grace, and His mercy. Can you say amen? So we cast all our kids on Him. And Philippians chapter 4, flip there with me. I've seen so many. I met with seven pastors last year in Kenya. And ask them this question. How did you begin? And everyone went quiet. And asked them again explain to me how you start your ministry. <laughs> because every time you start ministry, it's, it's usually someone over you that recognizes the gift of calling on you and they release you, ordain you, release you, and send you out. This is New Testament church, right? And I said to him, tell me how you began your ministry. And no one could answer me. And I said, if you divided a church to start a church, I can't work with you. If you bring division, it's like a woman steals another man's husband and you think you're cool. You've lost your mind. You're not just, you take another woman's husband Divorce, remarry, this, you marry the husband. Do you think that's the end of the story? No, 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 no. You have harvest to come. Harvest doesn't come one time. Harvest is for the rest of your life. So what's going to happen to you? Someone's going to take your husband from you. And you get another one. Someone else take that one from you. And you get another one. And every time you lose one, you, your standards go lower and lower. You, you go from footballer. Drug dealer, homeless person, dead person—you go. You, your standards drop all the time. You cannot sow seeds like that and walk away free. You cannot divide a church and think you're going to be okay. There's a there's a bishop I met with him. He says, "Please help me." He says, "These titles, you know, the title a title doesn't change who you are." You could be called Archbishop of the Bishops of the Bishops, whatever. It, it don't make you any bigger. You get it? But this one is a bishop, and I get so many of them saying to me, uh, "We need you to come help us." I said, "I'm only a pastor. You're the bishop. What help do you need from me?" He says, "Don't worry about the title. Oh, you got the title. I ain't a bishop. You call me a bishop. I ain't a bishop." I, I says, "You're the bishop. You come help me. You're the one with the knowledge because you've gone to the next level. You're the bishop." You help me, right? And this one says to me, my church divides. I've got two churches. Every time I get to 100 and 130 people, they both divide. I said, how did you begin it? He says, well, uh, I started the church and people came. But where did they come from? And trying to get truth from these people is like pulling fingernails. Where did you get the people from? Where did they come from? He said, well, uh, from the church I was in. I said, did the pastor release you with those people? He says, no. I said, how did you go? He says, I left. So you, went through the, you came in the front door but left through the back door. Is that how it works? Most, most Christians today, that's how they do. They come through the front door and leave through the back door. Did you know your, your exit is as is, is important as your entrance? Did you know that? Did you know your exit? Is as important as your entrance. Because the way you leave may mean you never come back. And I've seen people who take a torch and burn their bridges. And and then when they finish, they blow up the bridge as well with your mouth. And when the time comes, you realize, I need to come back. No one's going to have you back, I hear. And I said to him, you're in trouble. He says, why? I said, The seed in your ministry is called division. When you are in a church like this and you cannot submit to the leadership, you are what we call rebellious. Because God has said in the church, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher, to perfect you so you can do the work in the ministry. Hebrews Hebrews, uh, 12, 13 says, you're supposed to obey those that have the rule over you. Which one do you obey? Sometimes I should just say, sit here. You're... I don't want to sit there. I want to sit here. You see, there's no humility there. And this man, I said to him, you have a problem. The only way God himself cannot solve this problem for you, the only way you could solve this problem is you go back to the man you, you betrayed. First, you tell your church what you did and go back to him, kneel before him and ask for forgiveness and ask him to lay hands on you and lift the curse off of your life. He says, he's dead. I said, you'll never, ever get rid of this from your life. I saw him at a funeral a couple of years ago, still with his purple robes. Not a church. Not a church. And when you sow bad seeds, like, see, you know what seed you're sowing? When you come into church and you hear the word, but you don't do the word. No matter what you hear, you determine, your generation is determined, I know best. And you start doing it your way, but your way is going to take you the wrong road. Are you here? So, Philippians 4. Says this, from verse 6. It says, be careful for nothing. In other words, don't worry about nothing. Remember the song, Don't Worry, Be Happy. Do you remember that? Sing it for me, let me hear it. Someone's gonna whistle, right? Do you remember the song? Don't worry. Wow. Worship team. Is that you, Abeka? K? Oh my gosh, you got talent, girl. <laughs> you come preach with me next time. Like watch this. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. How how many are going through some stuff? Have you done this? I, I, no, watch this. He says, be careful for nothing, but in everything, in everything. How many are going through something that is everything? Whatever you're going through comes under everything, right? He says, be careful for nothing, but in everything, not for everything. Not for. I'm not thanking God because hell is been turned loose on me but in the midst of my trial not for everything but in everything in my trial i'm thanking god by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving what am i thanking him for the trial i'm thanking him that he's never left me nor forsake me i'm thanking him that he is the way maker i'm i'm thanking him when my back was against the wall you made a way Uh, Can you see the difference he says, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. What's your request? You're in a trial. What's your request? You're in a trial. What's your request? You are in a trial. What is your request going to be? You have the same request Jesus prayed for his disciples. He says, I have prayed for you, Peter. Satan has desired to have you, to sift you as wheat. But I've prayed for you. What do you pray, Lord? You bound him, you cast him out of my life. No, I've prayed for you that your faith will not fail. When you're going through stuff, don't don't beg for the way out. You're not going to short circuit the, the, the trial. You're asking God, Father, in this, I know you've got me. And I pray you'll strengthen me in my inner man. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, my faith will not fail. But Father, when I go through this, you'll give me the opportunity like you prayed for Peter and told Peter that when I'm converted, when I've gone past this, you'll give me the power to share this with other people to let them know how good you are. Yes. Do you see the difference? But some of us, we, we don't go through stuff. We run from stuff. How many of you run from you never overcome? Yep. Do you realize that? Whatever you run from, you, you divorce because you, you had enough and you married someone else. How I many have got two problems now? I, I've, seen, I've seen pastors, they've on four marriages now. Marry one, that one didn't work out. Marry another. And it just builds the problems all the time because now you've got maintenance for four women. Instead of one woman attacking you, you've got four women attacking you. you, you, you got, it is better to stay still. Never quit from nothing. Never give up. Never quit because things are tough. It, listen to me. If you start quitting because things are tough, it becomes a lifestyle. You never quit. I watched my wife when we, she worked at a company called Mercury, and I tell you, one time they put something on her on her computer, and when she told me what it was, I got my baseball bat. I'm sorry, I was going to be unsafe for just five minutes till I put that around his head. And I said, I, I said that, that fierce little. And I, I, I was going to drive down there. They, I, I bought a Mercedes, renovated. I renovated the whole car. It was better than a car in a showroom. Lacquered it down, painted it. It was immaculate. They put a toolbox on it and dragged the toolbox across the bonnet. And I said, let me I'm, let me deal with this. Give me. Get, let me be a man just for one few minutes. She says, no, I've got it. And you know, she would not. She would not. She, no matter what they did, she would not leave that job. I wanted—I didn't want her to leave. I was just going to deal with those so they wouldn't want to come back. But she would not. She said to me, I've got it. They wrote something rude on her computer. That was, it sparked. How I many of we saved? But sometimes, you know, sometimes there's, <laughs> I don't know if you eat too much pork or what. So something comes alive on the inside of you that you just want to be a man and you know she would not give up she would not quit they wanted her to quit but she wouldn't quit and even when she was she she would not go she left on her own terms we were moving to America and she left to go to America they even asked her has anyone troubled you she says no I'm good she didn't tell them what they did to her do you know after she left every one of them lost their jobs Every one of them lost their jobs. And you don't quit because it's tough. Some of you leave jobs because, you know, someone says something to you. Don't, you don't run from that. You stand, and, you stand and overcome. You don't quit because your boss is persecuting you. Let it be. Use, your, use that to strengthen yourself. Use that to bulletproof yourself. Use that to protect your mind and begin to pray, Father, bless this man. He may be the devil's cousin or brother or uncle or whatever it be. But Father God, I pray for salvation in Jesus' name. Stay until you win the victory. You know, so many people give up because things look tough. Let me tell you, the whole of life is going to be tough. You get a break now and again, but the life, you go right back into life. Someone breaks your heart. Don't lay down because someone broke your heart. It's normal to get your heart broken. People do it. Women break men's heart. Men break women's heart. Children break parents' heart. It happens on a regular basis. Do not lay down because someone broke your heart. That's the best time to dust yourself off. Get back up on your feet. And my wife always said to me, if you ever left me, I'm going to go to the gym. She does that anyway. That's nothing new. She says, "When you see me, you wish you never, ever made that decision." Some of you women need to get that mindset. When the fool fool is telling you, "I'm leaving you," let him go on. You hit that gym, girl, and you work that body. I saw one a video, real life. There's a guy who had a woman. He she was a bit big. She was big girl. And he left her. When he saw her, she had gone like a Coca-Cola bottle. And he's looking at her and she says, this door is shut. You ain't coming back through this door ever again. And some, you, it said, you, you, some guy breaks your heart and you just go down and down and down and down and down. You lay down and you cry at night. And you, the man's gone, but he's still sleeping with you every night. He's gone, but you got him next to you in your pillow every night. Oh, I miss him. Oh, he don't miss you. He's gone on with his life. He's got children with another woman. And you're like, oh God, bring him back. You don't want that loser back. Get up and fight the good fight of faith. There is another man. You know, it says, it says this. It says, when you, when you miss the bus. Sometimes you miss a full one was overcrowded. And by your waiting, here comes an empty bus. You relax and enjoy the journey. A nice driver looking at you saying, hey, baby. And you got a nice... But some of you, you're so so, silly. What, one man, one man mess you up? One woman mess you up? And you stop living your life? Are you mad? Life is bigger than a man. Life is bigger than a woman. Get back up. Get back after God. Begin to seek first the kingdom of God. And stop letting that worry every night. You're laying there. You can't even sleep at night. you you got, got, got duck down pillow, but it can't help you. you You got 13-odd quilt. And you're warm. You're cozy. Winter nights is well. You're curled up, and you can't enjoy your sleep. You can't enjoy your bed. You can't enjoy your pillow. You're sitting there crying tears over someone who cares nothing for you. Are you mad? Stop your worrying and get back in, on track with God. My God, if someone left you, it means they don't care about you. They don't want you. What are you crying for? Why are you just wasting your good sleep on someone that don't care for you? You're laying there in bed every night. Now- <laughs> Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, <laughs> oh, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, shut up. <laughs> Stop your nonsense. Crying for What? Huh? Even if Ashley's crying, I said, you want something to cry for? Let me help you cry. Don't cry for free. Don't cry for nothing. Let me give you something to cry for. <coughs> Did you know it's meant to wake you up? God loved you so much, he exposed the man's heart. That's what he, he loved you so much. He showed you what you're going to live with for the rest of your life. I'd rather someone, if my wife wasn't going to love me, I'd rather her tell me straight, direct, up front, now. I don't love you. I never want to be with you. Thank you in Jesus' name. Next, please. <laughs> At least I can live my life with someone that cares for me. Do you get it? Worrying about nonsense. What, and if he came back, how would it change you? When he comes back, he treats you like a dog. Huh? He walks past you. He don't know you're hungry. Don't know you, you the, to open a door for you. It's raining. He he's in his car. He, ain't, he can't afford central locking car. So he opens his door and the key, sit in the car, puts his seatbelt on, start the engine, rev, turn up the heater. Then he remember, oh, you're out there. I open the door for you. What kind, of, what kind of man is that? Stop worrying about things that's irrelevant. One thing you got to learn to do is let go of the past. Forgetting those things which are behind, I press toward the mark that the prize of high calling in Christ Jesus. Let go of the losers of your life. Worrying every night, worrying, oh Jesus, crying every night, Jesus, help me, Jesus, help me, Jesus, help me, bring him back, Jesus. No, Jesus ain't gonna bring back, Jesus loves you too much to bring him back. If he, the, the blessing of the Lord. He ain't gonna make you rich, that loser man ain't gonna make you rich. He ain't gonna bring you joy. Stop crying. Stop whining. Stop. Anyway. First Thessalonians 5.18. Flip over there. Are we going to have a, a paradigm shift? Yes. Huh? You know, when, if I hear things like this, I'm like, I'm, I'm good. Lord, just help me. I, I let it go now. Sometimes you have to just take anything they give you. If they ever did give you anything, even a book. I want them... Uh, straw rings, whatever, to trick you. Sometimes when a man gives you a ring, just because it's shiny don't mean anything. Take it to a jewelers and get it valued before you start giving the rest of your heart. Whatever he's given you, take it and throw it away. It's a soul tie. Get rid of anything, what, cards, whatever they give you. Destroy it, get rid of it. Don't keep it, oh, but, but, but pastor, it just brings memories. Exactly. You don't want the memories, get rid of it. Can you say Amen. Get rid of it. He bought you a dress. You hang up the dress There's a token. No. Cut it up in pieces and say, I cut up this memory in the name of Jesus Christ. You tear it up. Put it on the fire. Don't keep nothing they give you. Nothing. Nothing. Even a weave. It might be Brazilian all the way. He said, I, I want to treat you. No way. Just burn it. Burn whatever. Cut the soul ties. <coughs> Can you say Amen. First Thessalonians chapter five. Mm. Look at verse eighteen. It says this. That's eighteen. Yes, eighteen. It says again. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In everything, in everything, not for everything, not for everything, but in the trial, begin to thank God. What are you thanking God for, Lord? I thank you, Your God. I thank you, you're, the, you're Jehovah Jireh, you're my provider, you're my healer, you're my God. Father, no matter what I face, I know you've got me. I thank you, I thank you that I'm under the umbrella of the living God. I thank you, you keep me. I thank you, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you're with me, Father God. Whatever I'm going through, you'll never leave me, you'll never forsake me. I thank you, I thank you, I thank you. Give thanks in whatever you go through. Matthew 11, 28 20, and 30 says, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. Take my yoke upon you. You know what a yoke is? It's put it around your neck. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me from lowly in heart, and then you shall find rest unto your soul. When, when you take the word of God and you begin to focus on the word, you know, when you, when you meditate, There's a girl I saw the other day talking about, you know, there's some idiots on this YouTube. Really stupid. They open their mouth, you press click, shut it down. And she's talking about she had this experience where someone says, if you meditate on something, uh, not some nonsense, just clicked off. But, you know, there's a lot of Christians today know about God, but they don't know God. They know of the word, but they don't know the word. When they come into situations, they don't know how to use the word. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. It's a weapon. When Jesus met the devil and the devil says, If thou be the son of God, command this stone to be turned bread. He didn't go into intercession. He used the sword. It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone. He used the word of God. If you do not take the time to know this word, you're going to get deceived. I've seen too many people who have come into church and get deceived. They get drawn away because they never took the time. They meet some idiot that says, "Oh, Jesus was this." You know, when I got saved, I didn't know nothing about the Bible. I'd only been saved a few, a couple of weeks, and my friend, who was a bus driver, we're both going home. His name was Sonny, and he said, "Did you know Jesus was a homosexual?" I said, "What? I'm. I'm he, he knows I'm. What I feel about that." And he says, "Did you know Jesus was a homosexual?" And the the thing is, I said this. To, I I said, "God, I, I knew it wasn't true." But what do I say? And I said, "Could you show me the Bible, please?" He said, w- 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 w-, and his eyes went blood red. He says, we- "We're coming for you. We want you back." Who do you think that was? Some of you, they come to you questions you can't even answer, and it's, it's in, the answer is in your in your in your Bible, and because we don't take the time to know the Word, the Word come unto me, all that labor that all you that labor heavy laden, take my yoke of me and you, learn of me. How are you going to learn of Him in the Word? For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. If you don't know the Word, you have no weapon to defend yourself. It'd be like me fighting in a Roman war without my sword. You know, their sword was their key. When they drew their sword, it wasn't a long sword or short enough that they could thrust and pull out quick. Through the shields, thrust and pull out quick. If you go to war without a weapon, what chance do you stand? It'd be like going into Afghanistan without a gun. You've got to use the weapon you have. And when you seek first the kingdom of God, you're going to find all, a lot of your worries will just leave you like that. Because when you know what the Word says, you, you have a paradigm shift. And all of a sudden, you look out and you realize, the things that I'm thinking about does not actually bring solutions. So what I've got to do is start thinking how big my God is. Because whatever you meditate on, the problem or the answer becomes bigger. If I'm going through my gas, electricity is cut off, and all I can think about is no gas, no electricity, it gets bigger and bigger. When I think about my God shall supply all my need, God, I don't know how you do it, but you always do. This may be for a season in my life, but I trust you. I don't understand how, but I trust you. I don't know how you're going to do it, but God, I trust you. God becomes bigger in my thinking. And when you meditate on the things of God, when you're going through stuff, instead of the, the problems you're facing right now, the trial you're going through, because some of us, all we could think about is the trial. Do you have a dream? Do you ever dream? You, ever dream? Yes. you dream? Yes. My wife and I walked down Finchley Road in 1985, <laughs> 85, 86. <laughs> We've got a buggy, McLaren buggy. It wasn't like the complex. It just kicked and flicked it out. The kids got in it. You bought It was 13 pounds. You bought a little lamb's wool thing, cover them up, pull them up to here. And we're walking down Finchley Road. Don't have a car. Haven't got the money to buy a car. Haven't got the money to buy petrol. Haven't got the money to change a tire. And it's snowing. Neither of us have s- snow clothing. And we're walking down Finchley Road together. And I'm saying, oh, turn the heat down. It's so hot in this car. And she's like, yeah, we we really need to turn it down. It's really hot. We're freezing cold. According to Romans 4.17, we were doing what God says. We're calling the things that be not as though they are. And we began to speak. You you don't understand the power in your tongue. Romans 18.21 says, death and life are in the power of your tongue. So, sorry, Proverbs Proverbs 18.21 21. Death and life is in the power of your tongue. That means we have the power to speak life. We have the power to speak death. The moment you say, it didn't work for me, you've lost the battle. The moment you start talking to wrong people and they start saying things to you, you get in agreement with them. It says, if two or three, should, if two or three shall agree on earth as touching anything, it shall be done for them by my Father which is in heaven. When you we get someone negative to agree with you, you, you've got what you want. Do you see what I mean? So when we understand the power of our words, we begin to call those things to be not. It was we after that we. Were, I went to the Lloyd's Bank in the Week Gift Centre in Croydon. I was in a queue. My credit was blacker than yours. How many blacklisted? You got blacklisted. Mine was mine wasn't black. Mine was shiny blacklisted. <laughs> and I'm in the bank waiting in the queue, and then forms on the rack for a loan. I filled out the form, just time time-killing time, and how much do you want? 3,000 pounds. And I just handed it to the woman. You know, no expectations, nothing. We And I, I says, okay. I hand it back. A few days later, I got a letter from Lloyd's Bank. Your loan for 3,000 pounds has been approved. Have you ever not had money and get money? <laughs> Have you had that experience? Have you have been in a place where you don't have anything and then you have, it seems like an abundance? And 3,000 pounds, bam, transferred. Run down there, sign the paper, quick, 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 in the money in my bank. All of a sudden, we look, three grand. So, okay, the car, the car originally was 3,000. By the time we finished, we only had 2,100 left. I said, we've got to buy the car quick because we're going have no money left. And we bought a Saab 900 turbo black Saab 900 Turbo. We drove the car to Germany and the thermostat got stuck and I'm saying, oh my God, please turn the heat down. And what we said came to pass. And if you will begin to call the things that be not as though they are, stop worrying about what you can't change. You can't change. Why are you giving it thought? Why are you worrying about something you cannot change? Trust in God. He can change everything in your life. Can you say amen? Yes. Isaiah 43, flip back there. Isaiah 43. I'll say many of you may be in this river right now. This is what he says. But thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob. Isaiah 43, verse 1 to 3. But but now, thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed you, O Israel. Fear not, tell your neighbor. Tell yourself, for I have redeemed you. I've called you by your name. You are mine. Who do we belong to? And what he says, <laughs> he's given three levels of trials here. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. How many in the water now? What's the water? Have you ever been in a bath with socks on? You never? you never done that? Can you try it? No, I want you to do it for me. How many got a pair of socks? I want you to go in the bath with a pair of socks on. That's what it feels like when you're out the will of God. You're in the water, but you just don't feel right. So when you're going through waters, the waters are shallow water. These are not big trials. It gets bigger. And what you're going through right now, God says to you, I'm with you. As if God says to you, I'm with you. He says, fear not, I've got you. So if he's got you, we don't have to worry because we already cast our cares on him, right? So whatever, it doesn't mean, can I can I explain this? It doesn't mean I stop doing. I, when I cast my cares, it doesn't mean I lay in my bed all day and do nothing. It doesn't mean I give up my job. It doesn't mean I stop trying to pay my bills. It doesn't mean I stop talking to my creditors. It means that my paradigm has shifted to now I expect a miracle, That God is going to intervene and God's going to do something for me. Because now my focus is on God. Amen. Amen. He says, when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. He says, and now, watch this. How many waters now go to rivers? And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. Some of you may feel like you're drowning. You're not going to drown. How many of you had trials last year you wondered how you're going to get through? How did you get through? You're still alive, right? And you're still serving God. It did look like it at the time. Isn't it funny? We come out one trial and we forget how God helped us in that trial. And we go right back to worrying again. How is this going to happen? God, how is it? Listen, I worked with a guy. This guy was, um, he was he's a very wealthy man. I learned a lot from him. He was sick, in, not sick, he was depressed for one year. <laughs> he, was a, he's, he was depressed in his bed for one year. Because he'd lost everything. In his bed, he got a map, took a pin, stuck in the map, and it came up Shepherd's Bush. He went to Shepherd's Bush, found a hotel, um, took rugs, Persian rugs. You, you, what you do is you take them, say the return. He just went there, advertised the paper, even in standard. And he done that. On one Sunday, he made £75,000. I watched this guy where he would make serious money, but... So many times, in fact, he, his son was learned to drive on the Rolls Royce. When you go to his house, they had 24 karat gold. Have you ever been to someone's house with 24 karat gold, cuddly when you were broke? <laughs> you never experienced that. Okay. This man, but he, he overstretched himself. Many of us, what we do is we overstretch ourselves. We want so much and we overstretch ourselves. You, don't, you can't afford a phone for 1,100 pounds. Why would you buy a phone for 1,100 pounds? How's it going to change your life? And, and it's just, a, a, it's just a, 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 this kind of covetous thing we have. And this man got himself into so much debt. The inland revenue is coming for him. All these people are coming for him. And his, he lived in Maida Vale. He lived here. The bank manager lived across the road. He's pacing the floor every at night, wondering how he's going to get Because, you know, when, when you have a lot of money, you can create a lot of debt. Because people will give you a lot of money when they think you have a lot of money coming in. He's pacing the floor, and he had an idea. He phoned the bank manager at 1 a.m. in the morning across the road. He says, just to let you know, I can't pay the money back. I'm broke. <laughs> the manager began to pace the floor because... <laughs> He overstretched giving money in the bank. He then sold his house quickly, moved out of the country, and left the bank manager to it. He went to America. But I'm saying to you, when you take too much on, it creates more worry. If you learn to be content with what you have, you'll find that you have a much more peaceful life. You, you, instead of going out worrying about clothes and stuff, God will take care of you. When you put God's kingdom first, I remember my wife used to, we'd go evangelism. I'd watch her sit with the homeless people, hugging them, praying with them, feeding them. Or for years we'll do this. We go evangelism, we go Balaam, eight months pregnant with Danny, leaning into cars and telling guys Jesus loves you, and wearing her coat, tight, buttoning up her coat so they wouldn't see she's pregnant. Jesus loves you. Go to King's Cross and tell them Jesus loves you, evangelism everywhere. Put in God's kingdom first. And I remember she had a, a scrapbook and she had a scripture from Romans. It says, how beautiful are those, the feet of those that carry the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you know, she believed that God for that. And today, she got so many shoes that people give her. Because when you seek first the kingdom, God will give you the desires of your heart. And you, you, But most of us, we don't want to seek God first. We just want it as quick as we can get it. And that's where we go wrong, and we end up worrying about things. Listen, we took a mortgage one time uh, that we stretched ourselves for the mortgage. Boy, I tell you, when you overstretch yourself, doesn't time speed up? Yeah, yeah. Huh? Like you, you meant to pay this month. You don't go, and the next month is here. I've never seen time go, and we got to the place where we fell behind, and every night you're, you're, you're stressed out, you take your shoes off, you walk around, God, wherever the soul, of my feet will tread, you'll give it to me, I thank you, deliver me. And sometimes God doesn't deliver you from that one, he wants to teach you some stuff. And we went, I'd go to court, this is our mortgage, is 600 pounds a month, I go to court and I say, your honor, I, I, I'm going to pay 100 pounds extra, I can't pay the 600, but I'm going to pay 700 now. <laughs> you want to pay next month come back in court again you want to you know what just give me another chance i'm i'll pay 800 a month now i can't I still can't pay the 600 but i'm paying 800 and one day i said how home. i just says, i says god i let go of this i said i let it go and i said father i let it go and they took the house they took all the equity out of it we got nothing back there's about forty thousand pound equity, but you know when the lawyers get involved, the the criminal the criminal lawyers they rob you blind, and the building societies rob you. Uh, so we we lost everything, and we moved out of our, our house with buried removals in Croydon, and went to the dirtiest, stinking flat that we ever lived in. Our focus was always on God. When we stop trying to hold on to something like that, we let it go. When we let it go, it looked like we went down, but only for a season. And within 14 months, we were back in a four, we lost a three-bedroom semi. In 14 months, we never unpacked because we had a vision. We knew that was not our house. We're not gonna be, and and God bless you if you are, but I was not gonna, we were not gonna be a council tenant. We didn't want that. We are, we are owners, we are not, we didn't want to be that. And If you're a council tenant, God bless you, but I'm, I'm saying we didn't want that. Within 14 months, putting God first, within 14 months, we're in a four-bedroom detached house with a double garage. God restored us. It looked like we'd gone down. But some, I, think, I think Tim's story says, sometime you take a step back to make a comeback. And when we moved in, that was pure joy, pure peace, because we did it the right way. And sometimes you want so much and you you end up overstretching yourself to the point you can't pay your bills. That's not good. Then you lay in bed at night worrying. Can I say amen? Let me give you a couple What time is it? Time's up. Let me give you a couple of scriptures before you do. Uh, Let's go to 2 Kings 6. Now, Let me read this to you, give you a background of it. This is Elisha. The king, this the, the enemy, every time they would make a plan to ambush Israel, this man, Elisha, would tell the king, and the king will avoid it. So the king says, it must be someone in our camp that's passed on the information. One of them says, no, no, O oh king, is that man of God. He hears what you say in your bedroom, and he tells the, the Israelites, so we see now the king gets angry in verse 14 of chapter 2 Kings chapter 6. Therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host, and they came by night and compassed about the city. When the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, a host of compassed the city, both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? You know what was wrong with him. This man, all he could see was the natural. And many of us, because we're not close enough to God, when we go through stuff, all we could see is the natural. And when you look at the natural, it looks dire, it looks bad. But when you look beyond natural, if you could look into the spiritual realm and see the good things that God has for you, it changes everything. When I was in New York with my wife, we were on that tower, that the big tower, what's it called, that tower? Empire State Building, and it was really high. I'm not a lover of heights, and I'm not scared of it, but I'm not, I don't love it. Uh, but when I looked down, I thought, oh, so you could hear the devil say, jump. And, and I, I, I my, 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 something started feeling funny when I looked down. And I looked across to Manhattan, and everybody in Manhattan was shopping. It was Christmas, near Christmas. And you could see all the people walking around, milling around. When I changed my focus from this to that, everything changed. There's no queasiness. There's no. In fact, I was actually excited to get over there because that was better than where I was now. And if all you do in your life right now is look down at what you, where you are, you're gonna feel depressed. You're gonna begin to worry. You gotta look beyond where you are through the eyes of faith and see that the picture, the dream that God has for you is much bigger than what you're going through right now. And what you're going through right now, whatever your trial is, I promise you this, God's going to use you to help somebody else. It may not be pleasant right now, but I'm telling you now that whatever your sermons have been written in your trials. Did you hear me? Some of you are going to write books on how to stand. You're going to write books on, on how to go through trials, trusting God. Because it may seem hard to you now, but when you come out, oh, the victory is sweet when you come out. Oh, when you come past that trial and you know that that thing is behind you and it's not coming back again, you, you'll, be, you'll be like, "There, God, thank you, Jesus. And you preach it with a passion. But when you've never lived it, there's no passion behind it. Can you say amen? He says this. He says, when the servant, verse 15, when the servant of the man of God was written, uh, I've done that, verse 16. And Elisha said unto him, fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that's with them. That's the, those that are with us. I want to say to you, did you know you have angels surrounding you? Did you know that? Did you know there's a host of angels protecting you? God even tells us we have ministering spirits. They come and minister to us. Did you know you're not alone? That there are angels watching over you to protect you? You know, I've learned to thank God, not just for the things I've seen him do, but I'm thanking him for the things I didn't see. Because how many times you've driven on the road and you're okay? This morning on the way here, there's a tree on the route we went. That Danny says, you, how would you get around the tree? I said, what tree? She says, the tree that fell right across the road. I said, we drove, there's no tree in the road. Well, how many of you know if the devil had got a chance, the tree would have been right as we drove by. But we drove by and the tree fell. We don't even know about the tree. Unless Danny told me, I'd never known the tree fell. I've never know, I would have never known that, that we could have been in the line of that tree. I don't know, but I know that God is good. And I'm thanking God, not just for what I see, but the things we don't see. Because he's a good, good father, right? Can I say Amen. And sometimes we need to stop and just think about the goodness of God. God you, you're looking at what God hasn't done. I say this to pastors. Pastors do this all the time. They come to church. There's people like you who come every single week. And you know what the pastor is doing? They're mourning the ones that didn't come. Are we mourning the ones that didn't come for? Celebrate the ones that are with you. Celebrate the people that come out every week. Don't worry about the ones that don't come. You don't give them the time. Celebrate with the ones that do come. And what we do, we're looking at what God has given us. We, we don't look at what He's given us, He has blessed us. He's blessed you. He has blessed you. And what we do, we spend our time complaining about what we don't have yet. You, you have a lot. You have a lot. And we don't even stop to think, in, in Charlotte Pentecostal Church, we used to sing, they should sing a song called "Count Your Blessing." Name them one by one. It, it sounded like a silly song at the time, but it really is something we should do. Stop, Count your blessing. Have you ever tried to number your blessings? How about your life? You have life? i got food. You have friends. you got dwelling. you got clothes. Count your blessing, name them one by one, and you'll see what the Lord has done. Can you say amen? He says this. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. I pray today that your eyes will be opened. That you will see. You may not see angels, <clears throat> but maybe a spread of revelation will come upon you about the goodness of God. That you don't have to worry. You don't have to be depressed. You don't have to be oppressed. You don't have to be suppressed. God is a good God. He says, take no thought for tomorrow. If I said, you know, people go to fortune tellers and people want prophecy. They, they come to church. They want prophecy. Okay, if you went to someone now and they told you at six o'clock tomorrow, you're going to die. How does it change your life? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? How, how will it change? We're worrying about tomorrow. But you know, we haven't even got to enjoy today. Today's still a good day. Wouldn't you say it's a good day still? Yes. Why why would I blank out today and move into tomorrow? I haven't even finished this day. I, I, I'm blanking out today and not enjoying today because my mind is worrying about tomorrow. Isn't that stupid? Today, you don't even know if you're gonna to see tomorrow. So while we're alive, why don't we just suck it up? Enjoy this life. It's a good life. You may not have a Ferrari or Lamborghini or Porsche or a Rolls-Royce, but you have legs. You have legs. You may not be able to fly on a plane, but you could walk inside, see all the streets in London. You can get on train, you can go on a bus. You go. Have you ever done the London bus tour? Yeah. I did it once with Pastor Reuben, and it was painful. <laughs> he wanted to eat, and we stopped on Westminster Bridge, and I went to some fish and chips shop. They charge us 30 pounds for fish and chips. And the government allows it. But I encourage you today, change your mindset. Get back up into the race. Put God first. <laughs> some of you are so busy you have made yourself busy you have made yourself busy that you can no longer serve God what do you think if I remove this word from my heart if I stop taking in this word what do you think happens to my heart it becomes empty of the word when I have no word in me I have, in the beginning was the word the word was with God and the word was God if I don't put the word in my heart and you can go all your parties you want and all, all the things you worldly things you do. You can run around do all that stuff. It fulfills you for a moment. But this word will never depart from you. When you put this word in your heart, you put God as number one, I promise you this. There will be such a peace and a joy in your life. I wake up in the mornings. I don't worry. I don't stress. I, people would say, I don't care and I don't care. We have this thing with this building. Um, Some of you give, some of you don't. We know, whatever the outcome, I'm good. If you all don't want to join together, it's fine. I had 200 pastors at one time. I said to them, you know, we're going to meet. I want to do an offering once a month, and 200 of us would do an offering in our church, and we pray and give it to all of it to one person. One of the pastors, they can buy a building or refurbish their building. You know what they all did the next week, next month? They all start their own, self, they all pass this fellowship. And you know what? We kept moving. We kept moving. And this church is a blessing to me. It's a blessing to my family. And I, th- I believe it's a blessing to many of you. And if we don't unite to fight for it, that's fine if you all don't want to join with me. Because some of you are like, well, I ain't going to give nothing. Well, that's fine. If your life is the one that will be impacted. I see people now who used to be in this church and move on. And someone me, someone says to me, there's a lot of people would like to meet you to tell you how you impacted their life. I says, I don't have time to stop. Tell them to get back up, stop living in the past, and get on with their life. I don't want to hear what I've done for anybody. God knows what I've done. And they're saying to me, would you, would you uh, meet with the people? I don't want to meet. No, I want to meet sinners. I don't want to meet with Christians who've been offended or Christians who are stuck in a time zone. Give me sinners. Give me sinners I could lead to Christ. I ain't got time for that nonsense. And some of you, you know, they, they're saying if we were still with them, we wouldn't be divorced. Well it's too late. You're divorced now, bro. Choices are made. I'm still married. Are you married? Are you happy? You're going to stay married? Stay married? Can you say it louder? You're going to stay married? Good. In my household, divorce is not allowed. If you get divorced, you live by yourself for eternity. Except you do it for the Bible way. For adultery or one dies without any assistance from the other one. (laughs) uh, you, you, you You can remarry. But any other way... You're, if you divorce, live with your choices, you're living on your own till Jesus comes back. Amen. How many know you'd live differently then? Would you? You'd be looking at your wife and say, Well, you know, she ain't all that bad, you know? <laughs> Look at your husband and say, Well, yeah, he, he's all right, you know. He, he, he might need to shed a little weight, but he, he's all right. He smells a little bit, but something, something, Joshua could clean that up. Amen? So today, let's have a paradigm shift. No worry. Tell your neighbor. Tell them, no worry. Be happy. Listen, it's a a paradigm shift. If you catch this, you go through life and people say to you, you don't care, do you? You say, no, I don't because I cast all those on my king, my lord, my savior, my redeemer. Thank you for listening to this message. If you'd like more information on the church, please visit us at v2bcommunitychurch.com or you can contact us at v2bchurch at aol.co.uk. God bless you.